Welcome back to the Christ in Culture. My name is Clint. And my name is Gordon. And we're excited to be back for another week of the Christ in Culture on Lockdown. Christ in Culture on Lockdown. Just sounds cool that way. Gordon, what have you been doing with your time at home? Oh, man. Just my sleep schedule is all messed up. I sometimes tap too late and sleep in. Then I would pray. And then I figure out what I can do with the youths. And the then youths. I usually talk to different missionaries and people or FaceTime. I talk to my family a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot of D&D. Yeah, you said you're in like three different groups now? Yeah, so I've been doing one campaign that we already were doing on Roll20 because the DM's in Georgia. So we already played twice since this really started. Wow. And pretty much we're going to play kind of weekly. And then yours started back up. And my sister, because she played D&D once like two years ago for Christmas when I went home. I played D&D with my family. My older sister texted me and was like, I wish we could play now that we have all this free time. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to play. <laughs> just tons of D&D. It's going to be right. awesome. So that, I've just recently started playing my ukulele again. Nice. And just playing random songs on ukulele. Lizzie and I listen to like vinyls while we play games a lot. So we've been listening to a bunch of like vinyls to different, different bands. And... Uh, Lastly, because I'm already kind of into what I'm doing media-wise, I listened to one new podcast called This American Life, which Ooh. is actually a, like an NPR radio, but you can find it on your podcast apps too. And it's kind of like a interview. I've only listened to one episode, so I don't know how all the episodes are, but the one I listened to was about this parade that happens in New York, and it's basically like, like a BuzzFeed like article but through podcast form and they go and interview people but they play like sounds and music and stuff so it's almost like telling the story too so like when they're interviewing about the parade you can hear clips of the parade too and actually the live interview and so it sounds like you're there living this interview out with the person so it's really cool Hmm, that is interesting yeah and it's all about like it's all like uplifting stories about culture and um just like good good solid story so it's all it's kind of like an uplifting thing i feel like i should be more informed on this but is buzzfeed still like a thing that people do regularly i feel like in Uh, college it was like so deadly i don't i don't know i I mean i think it is uh in a thing on the internet i don't right yeah yeah i just don't know if it's like a popular thing anymore sure i don't i don't know uh, that was like in college that was like one of the things everyone did to like get away from doing homework just yeah. spend hours on buzzfeed quizzes yep oh i should probably write this essay but i really need to figure out what kind of disney princess i am instead i'm mulan just in case you were wondering uh <laughs> so i as far as like lockdown though i've actually played a lot of guitar too so I've it's something I've always wanted to do, but never felt like I was very good at. Um, and so it's been really good to have just like super long days of practicing until my fingers can't play anymore. Basically, one thing I've noticed, though, is that 
I like to sing when I play, but I don't have very good vocal control. So I think I've damaged my vocal cords or like hurt them, um, which is why I've been drinking like a lot of tea. So hopefully I don't sound super bad through the mic. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I don't know, the back of my throat gets really tight. So if there's any like vocal coaches out there, if you could teach me how to not do that, that'd be awesome. La, 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 la. Me, 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 me. Yeah, so I've been playing a ton of ton of guitar. It's been really good. Reading a lot. I've mentioned a few books in the past couple weeks that I've been reading, but recently I read actually a book from Avatar The Last Airbender series called Rise of Kiyoshi. Did you ever watch that show? The Avatar or? Avatar, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I watched, watched some of it. I never watched it through and through. Well, it's just one of the best animated shows of our generation but whatever um so there is a book by fc e who wrote like essentially the origin story it's supposed to be a a series but this is just the first book of avatar kiyoshi who is the avatar two generations before ang which is where the show takes place okay um so it was pretty good it seemed like there was a lot of... Isn't um, there another series? Korra. That, Legend of Korra. But that's also a prequel, right? That's a... Uh, no, it's a sequel. Oh, okay. So it comes after? Yeah. So it's immediately after. So Aang and Katara, their kids are in the new one as old okay. people now. Yeah. So this is a couple of generations before. And they're actually... Netflix is working on... Uh, a remake a live action remake with the original creators it's supposed to be better because they actually have the real creators and they're not doing an all-white cast they're actually going to have uh like do decent casting (laughs) so hopefully it'll be better so i've been reading that like i said it's it was good but at the same time they tried to pull in a lot of like political stuff from the real world and put it into the book which kind of just got annoying. And then I read part of The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson, which is a super long book, like insanely long, so that's going to take a while. And the last one is part two of the Redwall series called Moss Flower by Brian Jock. So that's what I've been reading. And other than that, I mean, dude, I've just been working from home doing a lot of like text stuff. So since I can't really do ministry... I've been kind of practicing my computer science degree, I guess, and I reworked the entire parish website in like three days. So that was pretty fun. That's what I got. Nice. Speaking of techie things and vocal warm-ups of me, 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 what are we talking about today? We're talking about memes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So actually another thing that I've been taking in a lot of because of our situation, doing a lot of online posts on our youth Instagram page and stuff. And because of that, I've fallen into the hole sometimes of looking at memes, especially right now during the coronavirus COVID-19 era and memes are hilarious. And I was actually talking, I share some memes usually with Ethan and he shares them back and he's like, I'm gonna pull, I'm gonna pull it up and I'm gonna read exactly what he said. Ethan, friend of the show, quote: yeah. "Corona is literally the culture right now. There is no escape. 
If it's not too dark of a joke, the next time you record, you should say it's what you've been taking in. Of course, then, if you get it, dot, dot, dot. So, <laughs> so I, brought, <laughs> I brought that up to Clint the other day when we were doing our like live broadcast with a Q&A, essentially, with patrons. And I was like, I, you know, Ethan said I should mention how I'm taking in memes or taking in the coronavirus because it's so part of the culture right now. And you mentioned how memes are like our modern version of like political comics. Yeah. And then you or Lizzie, who was there on the chat with us, actually was like, you guys should just cover that as a media because it is something you can take in. And we were mm-hmm. like, that's a great idea. That Why actually makes sense. Yeah. That? And so I was going to do something else. But then I was like, OK, that's what we're going to cover. And so I, st- I spent the last hour literally before I got on this, like kind of prepping, and it turned into what I thought was going to be an episode on like memes or meme culture. And it's more of like an episode on like comedy and this idea of what is comedy and why is it so prevalent right now in the midst of COVID-19? So like comedy in the midst of like pandemic or com- comedy in the midst of bad things happening. And that kind of, once we talk about that, that'll explain why memes are such a such a thing that there's a term for known as meme culture as where christ is in all that i don't really have that fleshed out in this so this might be a different episode but i'm sure improv you will figure it out that's your challenge (laughs) i love these episodes okay coming in just completely blind love it let's talk about comedy comedy goes back to like this greek idea with with plays and theater and the greek word for comedy actually means to revel in like singing or like a song so like to just like be really constant joy yeah so it's the two the root word of comedy in greek means revel the first part and then like song singing or yeah and one of them actually said or like a bard which made me think of like bards who like tell history tell stories tell these things that captivate an audience and kind of bring joy but can tell these terrible tales like the story of battles the story of the fall which are essentially what we're doing with memes are we not we're just being coming our own bards in modern culture so Uh, this might be kind of like an uneducated question but what about the divine comedy does that mean that was originally meant to be sung uh, no because it's essentially a super long poem Right. So actually well, look an epic. Actually look that up. The reason it's called the Divine Comedy, which isn't in my notes, so I'm glad you brought it up because I do want to talk about the Divine Comedy because it has the word comedy in it. Is it's considered a comedy because it has a happy ending. Oh. And it's divine because he's going through the levels of afterlife. Right. So okay. a comedy is comedy. Another way. Uh, which isn't in the definition I have here, but another way to look at comedies or some people perceive comedies are there's this joyous ending, which is why I think bards back in the time were so prop, uh, like uh, necessary, I guess, you know, oral tales, oral tradition, mm-hmm. because it brought light to this grand, grander picture. Yeah. Okay. In a, in a more also, just so you as listeners know, I looked up a lot of this stuff up online, and I'm just going to tag all the websites I found most of the stuff in. A lot of it's Wikipedia. Don't hate. But 
I'm going to tag it in, in the bottom. So if you want to like look more into this stuff, especially during this time of boredom, and it'll be at the bottom. Dude, so one of the things that just blows my mind, uh, a podcast that you and I had taken in a lot before Exodus was Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. Whenever he throws on extra information and tags, it's always includes Wikipedia. Well, Wikipedia... And he is, is a, a trusted scholar. Yeah, it's a trustworthy site. It's really hard to change Wikipedia stuff. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. But on Wikipedia, it says, in a modern sense, the word comedy is a genre of fiction that refers to any discourse or work generally intended to be humorous or amusing by inducing laughter. This is especially in theater, television, film, stand-up comedy, books and novels, or any other medium of entertainment, i.e. memes. The origin of this word is found in ancient Greece. In the Athenian democracy, the public opinion of voters was influenced by the political satire performed by the comic poets at the theaters. This the theatrical genre of Greek comedy can be described as a dramatic performance which pits two groups or societies against each other in an amusing conflict. So that's literally political commentary. Yeah, and it's usually I didn't put the rest on there, but it's usually between the the youth is what they called it, but that's like kind of the poorer society, and then this social structure which puts all the rules and influence. And so they pit those two things together. And and then tell this story of conflict, but in the way they're telling it is really funny. And that, for me, begged the question, why is conflict funny? Or why is, like, this whole COVID-19, why are we making jokes about it? Why is uncomfortable situations funny? Like, why do we make con- like comedy out of that? But you look like you had something to say. No, I just, I, you said youths and, like, a controlling figure, right? Like Y O U T H S. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So it's literally teens and the controlling figures of society rebelling back and forth. It's just ironic because this is all kind of playing even more and more around memes because that's what memes are. It's a way for teens oh, yeah. to, to communicate. It, most of the time, making fun of adults. Uh, not most of the time, but a lot of times making fun of adults or communicating in a way that most adults don't understand. There we go. Yep. It, the, the two opposing sides are known as the society of youth and the society of old. And so wow. youth, okay. powerless that's, that's youth awesome. and societal conventions. So, yeah, I thought it was really funny. Ironically, it was really <laughs> funny to me. But yeah. the Greeks. Why is conflict funny? Let's <laughs> Let's jump in. Well... One is it's an auto-response of our bodies. This is the only thing I don't have tagged. I'm sure if you Googled it, you could find it. But I remember hearing this a long time ago or reading it in an article when I was like in high school. And I always like really loved this idea. But when someone scares you, and I love scaring people. Like it was one of my things back when I lived with my family. I've scared my mom so bad I made her pee her pants. And she's told that story to people like a million times. So I love scaring people. I think she but told that at your what? wedding. She did. <laughs> she did. Yeah. I'm going to tell you guys how I did it. We had a stair going to the basement. And on that stair was a cat door. And I heard her come home because the basement door was right next to the garage. And I heard her 
like open the garage. So I went and sat on the stairs and closed the door waiting for her to come in. She didn't come in for like 30 minutes because she was on the phone. <laughs> Mom's, you know, getting off the phone. And so I just <laughs> sat there for 30 minutes on the stairs. It's a, one of my big rules. You want to know how to scare people? Patience is key and never give up. And for uh, sure. she walked in and I reached through and grabbed her leg and she screamed in Peter Pan's. <laughs> Oh, that is priceless. And, uh, it's like a story from a movie. Yeah. But when that happens to us, we usually scream and then we laugh. Like, yeah. maybe it's a short laugh or maybe we just like fall down laughing. But when we're, when we're scared, there's this emotion that our body feels and it's fear. And it's like, I don't know what to do with it. And once the scream is done, your body's like, I still don't know what to do with it. And so it just like chooses laughter. Mm-hmm. And so since this is a, an auto response, it's kind of something our minds and we as kind of human tendencies cling to in the midst of chaos. And we're like, well, if I can't control this situation or if I can't control what's going on in the world, I can at least control comedy and be funny and laugh. Yeah. So and I think part of that, too, sorry to interrupt, no, uh, reminds me of how a lot of the times people who are comedians or who are like the class clowns in school, a lot of times those are people who are suffering the most emotionally. Um, and I don't know if this was something you were planning on talking about later, but like it's a way for us to kind of cope and bring joy into that suffering. Yeah. Um, and then to try and help others to not go through the same suffering. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking of like Robin Williams, right? So right. He, when he took his life, that was something that really was talked about a lot about how comedians suffer with mental illness so much, but a lot of them go into comedy because they want the rest of us to feel joy, even though they themselves a lot of the times can't. That I think that actually goes into the next point of like why we think conflict okay. or chaos or is, is, is funny. And it's because there's this term you probably hear. It's like, man, that's funny because it's true. And yeah. we find like when what you were just saying about stand-up comedians who struggle so much, they can make jokes about those things or make jokes about real world events or anything that's like really edgy, you know? And we laugh and we're like, oh man, that's so funny. Like it's messed up, but it's funny because it's kind of truth in that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this article I read that covered this idea of like, it's funny because it's true. And I'm just gonna read what it said. It's like, there's this Simpsons episode where Homer makes a toast to alcohol and he says, to alcohol. The cause of and solution to all of life's problems. It's like, and there's a few reasons why we might find this funny. First, there's the inherently ridiculous contradiction. You know, it's so absurd that it can't cause and be a solution to problems. And that's funny. Or it could be the surprise factor that Homer is using alcohol to toast to alcohol. But another possibility is that it's funny because it's true. And those who find it particularly funny might have been ones those have actually experienced both claims. Booze wrecks havoc in their lives, but they also drink to ease their pain. But then it goes on to the bottom where like this scientist like studied this. They like had this like a control group of people watching a certain stand-up comedian and covering like certain jokes. So like a a joke a joke about like racism and who was laughing and who found it funny. And it was kind of someone who 
fell in line with those beliefs of of what the joke was about um, or, or gender issues same same idea and he was saying that okay this the response is true it's funny because it's true but it's not an objective truth that we're talking about right it's this subjective truth that, that comedy almost reveals to us what we think to be true even subconsciously and so it, it go ahead no I, I was just gonna say i agree with that and i think it also acts in the inverse as well especially i'm thinking of like children or middle schoolers i think is probably one of the most vulnerable times where the jokes that are being told around us influence our opinions really really heavily like i'm thinking of my own time in middle school uh which is terrifying and like some of the jokes that were made around me very heavily influenced my perception of the world and the realities around me so i think it goes both ways right and a clear caution i don't know the word i should put something i want to like reiterate real quick that it says in this article is that he's not saying or it's we're not saying i'm not i'm gonna include me yeah it's it's not saying that like if it's like a racist joke and someone laughs at it, that person is like a racist. So that type of thing. It's not saying that certain p- sects of people find certain things funny, but just that on a subconscious level or on a deeper level, if you find something funny, it does reveal this subjective truth about maybe what's in you, what's kind of how your brain's kind of been wired to, to think something of truth. And so I was thinking about this. This is like the one part that I was like, this could actually play into a really interesting like examine or really interesting spiritual exercise where like we could think like when we when you laugh you could ask yourself like why did i find that funny and like really see what that is. and when you find the answer kind of dig deeper beyond that and when you find that answer kind of get deeper beyond that just to see because i think it's it's an interesting idea to use comedy as like a mirror to reveal more truths about ourselves but not like objective truths yeah it does i think that would be so challenging you would almost have to have like some kind of journal or be really self-aware so i would not recommend this as like your first time doing an examine um (laughs) no but at the same time i think i think you're right i think you're onto something where it does reveal even if it's not something surface level maybe something that's really subconscious um and a lot of the times it'll reveal stuff that we don't even realize that we thought we thought. Right. If, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. This is going to be a really weird, uh, mind blowing episode. Um, yeah, but I, I do think it reveals something about us. And I think if we take the time and like I said, if we journal, it'll be easier to pull out. And and that's a weird thing to journal, I think, but just at the end of the, your day or throughout your day, even just, we're in a weird world right now, man. I, I know. You, you laugh at something, and I don't know. We have our phones with us all the time. Pull out the notes on your phone. Type type in what you laughed at and why. And then later that night, reflect on that. Like, what made that funny? And, yeah, I think that can reveal quite a bit about, about yourself. Yeah, it would be interesting. Especially when, like, the funny thing is, like, art jokes. What does mm. that feel about myself? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. The yeah, third point I have on like why things can be funny in the midst of it shouldn't be is there's this really cool article literally called In the Midst of Pandemic, like humor, something, something, something. Like I said, it'll be tagged at the bottom. And he compares what comedy is in that time 
to two things. He says comedy, and it, essentially what he's saying is comedy is used to express like our moral ideas and beliefs or emotions. So the same idea of, of comedy being something that's funny because it's true is something that reveals subjective truth about us, but also comedy is a tool that we use to express subjective truths to others. And so one, he says, one is that comedy is a thermometer. It's taking the temperature of the room, suggesting how bad or good something is. And so when people are making jokes about toilet paper, particularly about the hoarding of toilet paper, what they're saying to the world is, I'm not a fan of people hoarding toilet paper. It's not the right thing to do. So mm-hmm. like it's a thermometer in the sense of a gauge of like, is is it right? Is it good or bad? And then that's the, that's the, the joke I'm making or that's the meme I'm making to express that point. And the other is that comedy is also a thermostat expressing not only the opinions about a situation, but the belief on how you, how people should act. It can say to the world, you should not be behaving that way. You are a bad person and I'm making jokes about you to set a boundary about how you should be behaving. And so I think these two parts, yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. And it, there's several like stand-up comedians that are like coming to mind right now, but what I, I'm, I'm thinking about right now is how a lot of the times when stand-up comedians will do something like this, they'll also use super inappropriate stuff in their jokes uh, as well to get this point across. And so I think they're like taking the moral high ground on certain things, but in the process to try and get a laugh, they're caving in other aspects as well. But I think this is extremely true. You look at how much... Gosh, okay, so rewind. When we did Jojo Rabbit, I think yeah. that's that's when yes. you got me stuck on Taika Waititi, right? Yes. I, I was okay. just obsessed with him for a while. And so I watched a bunch of interviews that he's done and stuff and uh, a couple other comedians. And I think he understands comedy like no one else. And I think he does this. And I think Jojo Rabbit was, in in a way... Uh, kind of like a thermometer to see how much people have laxed their understanding of Nazism and everything that happened in World War II and to kind of remind us like, hey, we can't just forget this kind of thing. But I haven't seen enough of his stuff yet, but I would imagine based off of just his interviews that I've seen that this is what he does. He uses his material to gauge where people are and to say, hey, it's not okay that we're doing this, this, and this, but to kind of reset things. But there's a lot of stuff that he's brought up from there too, which I, I might bring up later. But I, I just think this is very, very true. Yeah, another another comedian oh, that does a really, really good job at this. Oh, what's his name? Dave Chappelle does this a lot, but he's kind of vulgar with it. Mike Berbiglia. Oh, Mike Berbiglia, I mentioned him on the podcast name. once because I mentioned like we watched his stand-up. He made a movie too, but he is a really cool comedy because his comedy is all about his own personal life. So it's like harsh truths, but he's also telling a story. And by the end, it's almost like you watched a movie and you've learned this like lesson. And so he's like definitely portraying his own vulnerability in order to share like an opinion on how how can we res- respond to things? And it's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, so two things come from this idea that we can talk on as far as what this podcast is. And one is the same thing I mentioned earlier. Now you can examine jokes that you make. 
So when you next time you make a joke and people laugh, why did you make that joke? And what were you trying to convey? One of the, those two things, were you trying to say that whatever you, the joke is about is, is a good or bad thing? Or are you trying to share a certain belief? Um, and that might not work with every joke. Some jokes are literally just ridiculousness. And I think a lot of jokes that we laugh at are funny because it's actually has no meaning and takes us away from reality first. The other thing is using jokes as a medium to share beliefs. So mm -hmm. like, as a way to evangelize almost is what I'm thinking. And like this goes into what memes are. Like memes are like you can have full conversations with just memes now. And like I've done yeah, it like, all the time. Yeah. And that's a thing. And so yeah, a couple it, weeks ago, anything, I actually I had know. a I had a full conversation with just Conor McGregor oh, chips. <laughs> I, I think we're on a delay, real quick. I don't I know if it's so too. my computer or yours. Well, I think it's fixed now, but I don't know. Okay, I think it's fixed. Whatever was wrong. And with that idea, that brings us to essentially why memes exist. Memes exist because of what comedy kind of is it's this tool it's this thing of like just sharing subjective truths and because of that some memes are really grotesque and some memes are really dark and some memes you're like the person who made this is messed up or i i wish this doesn't exist where some memes are hilarious it's there's a spectrum of comedy uh, if you look on the wikipedia page you know there's there's like satire there's dark comedy there or actually it's called black comedy, which is like movies where it's like, you know, Heathers, where it's a, a group of girls killing people, which is now a musical, but it's a comedy because it's, it's silly and stuff and mm -hmm. all those things. And so I'm going to break down what a meme is the same way I did comedy. The meme definition, which actually was created in like 1970-something, was a unit of really? cultural information spread by imitation. Yeah, it was a uh, this guy that wrote a book termed the word meme, um, and because of what the word meme means, is why what memes are internet memes are called because it's a unit of cultural information spread by imitation. And so you're taking an image, usually from a show or some kind of cultural pop media, and then putting the message on it and sending it out. So you. And the word meme, if there is a Greek root to it, comes from the word imitated. And I just, I don't know if it has anything to do, I don't know if we can apply this at all, but for some reason when I think of imitate, I think of like what it means to be a disciple, and it is to like try to be Christ, you know, and imitate Christ in the world. So like if we were to be a meme, that's what it should be, if that makes sense, but that's kind of a stretch. Well, I don't think... It really is, though, because if we're imitating anything, what we're trying to imitate is, like we were saying before, it's trying to convey truth. And so if this is teaching us anything, it's that we desire to communicate what we perceive to be true in whatever way that looks. So sometimes it's something that's political. Sometimes it's what we want to convey about ourselves. Like you said, sometimes there's some really dark memes and they reveal something about who we are in a way it's almost a cry for help and so we're trying to reveal a truth about what we perceive of ourselves and so 
I think this desire for truth, as we've said before, truth is one of the uh, divine characteristics of, of who God is. And so this desire to reveal or to communicate truth, I, th- I don't think that's that much of a stretch at all. If we want to imitate or convey that, that actually seems pretty spot on for uh, what, we, what we're doing. Yeah. Great. Then I'm glad that works. The article I was reading on this definition, which was an article on meme culture, said you can, if this is for those that if you don't know what a meme is, which is understandable, I don't want to assume you do. I actually didn't know it, I was late to memes. Is uh, you can recognize a meme because they often consist of a picture, normally de- derived from pop culture, such as cartoons or viral videos, followed by a caption above, sometimes below as well, the picture which references references relatable scenarios even something related to any relevant social economic or and political news right now it's nothing but the coronavirus memes are most commonly transmitted via the internet especially on social media and their aim is to entertain which has sparked the term meme culture yeah it's, it's insane yeah what is meme culture well it kind of goes back to <laughs> <laughs> it was back to when me and Clint were talking about it the other day, and he was like, this is essentially our political cartoons, which political cartoons still exist, but it's like, this is what kids do, and, and this is, like you just said, Spongebob, that's funny, that's a joke, because a lot of memes are Spongebob, but I asked the question, like, is there going to be an era where Spongebob only exists because memes exist? Probably. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. And the other reason meme culture, that word exists, is because it started, like you, like you even said it, like this is something that teens are putting out. But because of it, their growth, it's now something that like our parents see or even share or understand. And memes are no longer for one age group. And it's yeah. it's almost understood by all age groups. I'm it's sure gonna, it's going to be like Facebook pretty soon. Yeah, memes are also, I'm sure, news sometimes use memes to share, me- like, stories it's crazy it's yeah and and it made me think of a reflection that one of our missions shared recently about COVID-19 and what's going on and COVID-19 is a virus that is spreading exponentially Um, not literally so it's like if I had it then I would share it not just one person but multiple people and then those multiple people would share it not with just one person but multiple more people so you know by the time it's two, three, four people down the line, it's gone from one person to like thousands already. Yeah. And memes are the same way. They grow exponentially because when usually when you find a meme, you don't just share it with one person. And because of that, that's why there's a culture that is created. It made me beg the question about how we are to evangelize. Like, yeah. Well, so first... I think there's something to say about like why it's it's growing so quickly, right? Um, so I think there's two things off the top of my head that I can think of. Obviously, technology being so much more sophisticated than just a, a picture in a newspaper, right. things are going to spread faster that way. Yes. But but also the thing about memes, I think that is so likable, is that you can take one image. And maybe it's a reference to a movie. And anyone who knows that movie will understand that meme. Or maybe it, it's a, a picture of some person 
with like a weird facial expression. And it's, it's the common understanding of what that facial expression is trying to convey that gives us an interest in that meme. I think there's something to that where it's almost like if you get it, then you get it kind of thing. I know that's kind of redundant, well, but I, I think what you're saying, yeah, I think it's true. And I think with this, it's also like, especially with the facial expression ones, like when we use people that are doing us have a certain body language, it's, it's powerful because it's a way to express emotions for a lot of emotions that we don't have names for. Yeah. And it's usually like situations or a way to express emotions with a lot of like awkward or silly or embarrassing situations that we wouldn't normally want to talk about or express. But it's, because it's, we're like, I can do it this way and someone else is going to laugh. And if you laugh, that means you understand it. And you've been in that same situation, too. Now we've just connected on something. Well, there you go. Right. Especially for a, a generation and just a culture in general, like our, our whole modern culture that is not very good at communicating emotions whatsoever. And this, going into your comment on evangelization, this is very much a community in the same way that we talk to Miss Ruby, uh, Katie, and we talk to John Bearded Blevins about their Twitch communities. I think the meme culture has a community to it. I mean, look at Reddit or, I mean, the countless other places where memes are like well, transferred learned what the term dank mean actually mean means dank, oh my gosh that's hard to say dank what the term meme. dank memes actually means uh because i thought dank memes were just like real cool like it was like the best of memes but dank memes are just those are like certain memes that came out back when memes first started so it's like the older image older version of memes and so there's even terminology about kinds of memes just like there's certain terminology about kinds of comedy but i just brought that up because of what you said how there is like this community and there's certain people that are like well we we're the community of dank memes we use all the original og stuff and we're like well we're the community of spongebob memes we just make spongebob memes i would love a meme actually i was just thinking about this i haven't seen one yet and it probably won't but of like someone like like kind of hunched over, like looking left and right with their eyes, kind of like trying to see if anybody is look is looking at them. And it just says like that feeling when you go to dip your like hand in the holy water and re- remember that it's not there anymore. <laughs> Guilty. Totally done that. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of all I had prepared for this. I didn't really know how to take it or spin it, but I think we... I don't know. I think that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think so too. I don't know if you've followed our our Twitter much lately, but I I posted this the other day, uh, and it made me think of of it because we're kind of talking about comedy right now. But did you hear like when "Let's get this bread" was a phrase? Like teens would say that all the time. It was in a lot of memes and stuff. You didn't hear that? Ah oh, man, well this just lost its comedic effect then. So I was th- thinking about that the other day, and I was like, like th- these teens are essentially like prophets by saying let's get this bread, because we never li- we didn't listen to them. We thought it was like just this passing fad or whatever. And now none of us have bread, and uh, everyone's complaining because we can't go grocery shopping. So mm. just saying we should have listened to the 
the meme masters of the the teens who knew this was coming. But yeah, I, I do think there's something to it. I think there's a community to it. And one of the last things I'll say on comedy and and memes and what we can kind of pull from that as far as the spiritual thing is going back to what we were talking about at the beginning. I think that there's something to comedy that reveals hope to us. And so your, your question of why we make jokes in the midst of chaos and in the midst of suffering is it, it reminds us that there's something to hope for on the other side. Right. Uh, and it reminds us of good times. And I think that's another thing that I wanted to get back to with uh, Taika Waititi um, because in one of the interviews it was asking or it was talking about like how he does dark political comedies. So like where he actually talks about serious things, but in a dark comedic fashion and he was talking about the balance of making it serious and dark, but also funny. So, for example, like Jojo Rabbit, which is a perfect example. And he was like, people don't think that we can be serious as comedians, but we can be super serious. And then he goes off and be's, he's like super goofy for the rest of the interview. Um, but he's like, comedy in its own way is a very serious thing. Um, and he was trying to say like, in in the the things that we try to convey through that, um, and so I, I I think there is something to this idea of hope, this idea of being able to balance something that is suffering but also truth within that, uh, and see that there's something better on the other side. No, I think that's great because that was the one thing I wanted to touch on with Dante's Divine Comedy, and that when I looked up like why is it called a comedy, Google was like because it has a happy ending and mm-hmm. it's made me think of like well then if we think what's going on right now in the world is funny we have to hope and trust that there's going to be a happy ending yeah so with that a few challenges based on the uh, a few of the things so like the, the the two types of like examine challenges if you want to do that in your extra time right now i would like kind of sit with what you find to be funny or jokes you make and see what subjective truths those might reveal to you. Also, on top of that, like, you know, we always say, sometimes people you hear people say in prayer or when things happen that they're like, that was God. They're like, man, God has a sense of humor. And I realized doing this, creating this episode, like what we mean by that is that we find it funny but God's sense of humor exists because there is this truth in, in like in how comedy works. Like the, a message is given and we find it funny. And so if 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 God is saying something to you that you notice in prayer or in scripture that you find funny, then sit with that. And why is it funny? And what is it trying to say? Because if it's coming from God, it is a truth, but it's probably an objective truth. <laughs> Uh, guaranteed exact, exact, uh, yeah, an objective truth um, yeah. and then lastly and this is the biggest challenge I have for you this week is from that website um, that's linked which is titled in the midst of pandemic humor researcher says make laughter infectious humor is healthy and needed and so this week when you're reading what you should be doing or writing or doing you're playing guitar or even exercising, um, especially you should be exercising since we're stuck inside, go for a walk when you can. I challenge you to just laugh this week. Laugh 
and make other people's laugh because laughter is hard in this time right now during a pandemic, but laughter is like scientifically healthy. It releases endorphins, which boost your mood, um, alleviates like kind of stress and anxiety and increases immune cells and infection fighting antibodies, which will help fight off diseases. Comedy sadly works best with people, but right now we are in social distancing. So in that time, I my challenge to you is get creative with how you share what is funny, whether that's with family, whether that's through social media with memes, make your own memes or something, you know, someone make a meme of what I just said and then send it to me or us. And I would love that. And, or if you're alone, which is when it's really hardest, you know, I, we mentioned there's comedians, there are movies that are comedies, like just, if it's a considered a comedy, there are kind of professional comedians out there, hand it over to the, the professionals, like, like Clint said, like uh, Taiki Watiti or others, and plug it in and, and, and laugh, call a friend and just like, hey, let's try to spitball jokes. I don't know, but yeah. laugh this week as much as possible yeah i uh i disagree with the fact that social dis- distancing makes comedy hard i am <laughs> the funniest person that i know and i laugh at almost all my jokes so for better for worse but no in all seriousness uh, i was actually my only challenge was going to be to make some awesome memes there's so many meme generators out there if you've never done it before it's super easy so make some memes send it to us yeah you can you can send it to us on social media or email either way but yeah do you have any shout outs? Uh, besides Ethan and Lizzie, which I know they got the shout out last week, sadly, but that's the two that helped with this episode. No, I do not. Cool. Uh, I just want to shout out in general my teens because, I mean, that's where I get most of my memes. And then Davis, my roommate, who is the meme lord. So, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's yeah. got a lot of good ones. Um, but yeah, shout out to them. And with that, thank you guys for joining us on the adventure this week. If you want to know where you can find us and to send those memes to us, first off, you can find all of our stuff at thechristinculture.com. Uh, you can also send it to us on Twitter at OnTheAdventure2, Facebook, The Christ and Culture. If you want to check out our videos and especially the videos of our episodes, if you'd rather listen to this stuff on YouTube, you can do so at our YouTube page, The Christ in Culture. And... Don't forget, uh, if you would like to share us with people, please do so. This is a great time where people are looking for new things to do. And so you telling a friend about us could help us grow and reach new people. Just like how uh, meme culture and COVID-19 grow exponentially, so does our show. And it's all because of people like you guys rating us, liking us, subscribing, and sharing us with friends on social media and by word of mouth. So please make sure you guys do that. Also, as we said last week, if you would like to support us financially, at least for now, please don't take whatever money you would normally give to support our show. And please use that to give to someone who is struggling right now. Maybe they've lost their jobs. Maybe they're struggling to pay for groceries or whatever, toilet paper. Just help those people who who need it more than, than we do right now. So please, 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 do not support us. This is going to be the only time you hear us say that, probably. And don't with that, support us that way. Don't support us that way. Yes, thank you. So with that, thank you guys for joining us in the adventure, and we will see you guys next week. Bye.